0: Welcome in. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. Week three in the Sunbelt is here. Last weekend, the Sunbelt secured their sixth Power Five win over Virginia, while Marshall and Georgia Southern secured big wins over American Athletic Conference members. It'll be an exciting week three, and Kate and I can't wait to dive into it. But before we do, we wanted to tell you about our last episode. We continued our Sunbelt Athlete Interview Series by providing an under-the-helmet look at Texas State quarterback T.J. Finley. If you missed our conversation, you're going to want to make time to give it a listen. Today on episode 116 of the show, we're excited to preview our game of the week between two Sunbelt heavyweights and James Madison in Troy to talk about Georgia Southern's chances to upset Wisconsin. We'll dive into App State's home showdown with ECU. Discuss Southern Miss's quest to retain the bell and break down South Alabama's chances in Stillwater. Plus, Kane and I are going to make our picks for all the remaining matchups this weekend. Kane, we've got another loaded slate of games this weekend. We've seen the Sun Belt score two Power 5 wins in the season's opening weekends. What are you watching out for in week three as it kicks off?
1: I mean, obviously, our top dog game. I think this is one of the conference games we've had circled for a long time that we'll headline with, with James Madison and Troy facing off just the class of the conference, really, if you look last year. But also excited, I think there's a heavy chance that we see another power five upset between the two matchups we have as well. And kind of just excited about some of the cross league play. I think early in the season, it's kind of hard to get a pulse on some of these teams, but we're seeing some opponents now that aren't Sun Belt teams that have played some Sun Belt teams already. So I think this will just give us a good barometer and a good pulse of what some of these teams really are, despite. A lot of them not facing each other in conference play yet.
0: Well, as promised, we'll be previewing the top matchups for week three in the Sun Belt. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to jump right into today's show. All right, everyone. Like we promised, we're previewing the top matchups in the Sun Belt for week three. Here's a quick or a couple of quick notes about the upcoming weekend slate. Saturday is going to feature matchups against the Big Ten, Wisconsin, Big 12, Oklahoma State, ACC Wake Forest, SEC Texas A&M, and four more matchups against American Athletic Conference foes in Charlotte, ECU, Tulane, and UAB. The Sun Belt currently 2-3 and against the AAC so far this year. It's also going to feature the only Sun Belt Conference game of Week 3 between Troy and James Madison. Plus, three Sun Belt teams are going to face FCS opponents at home this weekend. Caden, let's get started by talking about our Game of the Week between James Madison and the Troy Trojans. This game will take place at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central on NFL Network on Saturday. It represents the first regular season meeting between these two teams. The only previous two matchups took place in the old NCAA 1-AA playoffs in 1994 and 1999. Those two teams split. Here's a couple of quick notes, JMU 22 and 8 in conference openers dating back to 1993. They've won their last 8. Meanwhile, you look at the Trojans, they've won 7 Sunbelt titles, which is the most in league history. Kane, okay, let's start this matchup by talking about the key matchup in this game. Troy's run game versus James Madison's run defense. Troy has was held to under 100 yards versus Kansas State. That was just the fourth time in their last 13 games, but it was only their first loss Meanwhile, this JMU team tied for third in the nation, allowing just 40 yards per game, and they gave up a paltry 18 last week to UBA. Kamani Baidul leads the Sun Belt with 342 yards through two games. You've got that impenetrable wall of Chroma, Carpenter, Green, and Kamara up front for JMU. What's the key to this matchup, Caden, for both sides?
1: Well, you mentioned a lot of those names, and I just have to give a huge shout out to the defensive line at James Madison. I mean, watching them against Virginia and just watching them throughout the season, they're a dominant group. They're fantastic, I think, and even more improved in the pass rush game, especially when we talk about guys like Kroma and Kamar really coming on and playing well off of James Carpenter. But I think in the run game, it's going to go to the names you didn't mention. It's going to go to the offensive line of Troy. I think that's the key in this matchup. They're a group that's shown their toughness throughout all of last season, as well as this season, just going toe to toe with that Kansas state defensive line and really holding their own, creating some lanes for Vidal to work with. He ended that game with 83 yards. He was able to rip off a 46 yard run in that game. And that was because of the scheme and the blocks that were set up perfectly that allowed him to get to the second and third level. So I think the key to this matchup isn't necessarily the running backs of Troy or the defensive line of James Madison. It's going to be about, can those big boys up front for Troy create some lanes and they're not going to be able to bully this team off the ball. They're not going to be able to push this team three yards backwards and create some true penetration It's going to be about, can their bodies be positioned in the right places? And can they create an up separation in space? and get maybe to the second level to those not linebackers we speak so highly of as well and create some lanes for Vidal. I think this is going to be a game that's decided at the line of scrimmage. It's going to have a ton of weight, and I think this specific matchup you're talking about may be the biggest weight of the entire matchup. I think Vidal, like we mentioned before, is second in the nation right now in rushing yards. He's been playing outstanding this year, and I think out of all of the running backs in the conference, you could argue that he's maybe the one that could be the one to, in, to penetrate and get by this James Madison pass def- or rush defense rather that's super stout.
0: Kane, perhaps another wild card in this matchup, you know, could be the quarterback play. And can they find some receivers to maybe free, them, free some things up for the running game? As we talk about the quarterbacks, Jordan McLeod is expected to start again for James Madison. 64% completion rate on the season, 368 yards and three touchdowns in his first two appearances this year. Meanwhile, on the other side for Troy, Gunnar Watson looking to bounce back. 167 yards and an interception versus Kansas State. He does have five touchdown throws this season, four of them coming against Stephen F. Austin. Caden, what are you hoping to see from these respective quarterbacks and offenses in this game?
1: Well, I think starting with Gunnar Watson, you're hoping to see him in peak form. We saw him in peak form in week one against a lesser opponent. We saw him in peak form in the conference championship game with our own eyes in person. And we heard this offseason that Troy's offense has made some changes knowing that it was kind of the weakness of their team last year. They're trying to up the tempo. They're trying to change some things and reinvent the wheel a little bit on offense. And I think that was clear when you saw Gunnar Watson light things up in week one. He looked a little bit more comfortable both in that game and in Kansas State, I feel like, than he has In the past, he really made some big throws and got some explosive plays on that Kansas State defense despite being outmatched. So I'm looking to see... Gunner in his peak performance. His thing was consistency last year. He had some games where you have to put in a Jared Daigie because he's just not giving his team a chance to win, and then he has three touchdown performances in some of the biggest stages. So for him, it's about seeing him perform in his peak level. And for Jordan McLeod, I think we talked about his performance a lot in the recap episode. It was nothing exciting. Their offense lacked some explosiveness in the past game. It seemed like his wide receivers weren't all the way clicking with him, and he didn't really impress, I think, either of us with his arm or with his legs. So I think in this game, can he just improve, and can he do it against arguably a better defense. I think this is a big test for him in his first conference game facing the defending champions and specifically that unit that brought them to that championship. I think... The, we knocked him a little bit for some of the the, indefici- the deficiencies we saw last week, but I think some of that is also on the help he received. I think the wideouts in the run game, the big question is going to be, are they going to be there to support him? They were there in the fourth quarter. The run game was there. We know Tyson Lawton showed up late in that game and took over at the end. We don't know if they're going to get that win without that. The question is, can they get that early in this game against this tr- Troy defense that's really stout. Can we see some contested catches? Can we see some broken tackles and some some real action in the run game early on? I think it's going to be about can the weapons around him and still confidence in him early and then that carries through the rest of the game versus catching a little window in the fourth quarter because against this Troy defense it might be too late if you wait till the fourth quarter.
0: Yeah, Kane, I think you're making a great point. I think from that James Madison offense, we'd like to see a little bit more consistency throughout the game. They get off to the hot start against UVA, there was that lull in the middle and then you finish strong. Uh, but consistency certainly uh, very important against this Troy defense, as you just said. Caden, we've already talked about JMU's run defense, but let's take more of a holistic look at the defenses for both sides. Troy giving up 125 yards per, game, or yards per game on the ground this season, 193 through the air. JMU, we mentioned the 40 yards per game on the ground, but 261 yards per game in the air. Kane, both of these teams, their total yard numbers through two games are up compared to last year. Plenty of stars on on both defenses in this matchup. What are you hoping to see from two of the league's best defensive units in this matchup,
1: Cato? I'm hoping to see a lot of guys flying to the football and just some great defensive action. Like Out of all of the matchups, we love the entire season, all football fans, all of us at heart love to see a bunch of points scored. But as someone who played defense, as someone who just enjoys that part of the game, I'm genuinely excited to just watch all the all-star talent on both sides of this defense really perform and just – exert themselves and play a great brand of football so I'm just excited to watch both of these defense touch the field in general and really decide the outcome of this game but I think these are two of the top units in the conference coming off of some of their not so strongest showings you talk about them getting exposed each team last week against a power five opponent jam you gave up quite a few explosive plays in the past game to a freshman quarterback they didn't bow up in the red zone of the run game but they stopped the run well like they normally do. And then Troy, on the other hand, got a little bit overwhelmed with the athletes on Kansas State's side, their quarterback and wide receiver position specifically. They were just winning their matchups. They were making big plays. Their quarterback was scoring with his legs. They played well and just kind of flashed good. We both saw, we saw both defense really flash their potential with some turnovers and some big plays and some sacks, but just never a complete game out of them, too. So I think in this one, I think the advantage kind of goes to Troy a little bit. They're playing an offense that hasn't really shown what we saw Kansas State do against them. They don't resemble Kansas State's offense at all, just based on what we've seen from the season. JMU's known for their run stopping prowess, and they face the second leading rusher in the nation, like I mentioned. So I think that's where the matchup kind of favors in Troy. But I think with both defenses in general, they're both such great units, and I know they're both going to play their best ball in the biggest games. They've showed us that in the past. I think both of them, when it comes down to it, they're both just going to line up, put the ball down, come with a ton of intensity, and just all going to do their best to win their individual matchups. I think when you're talking individual. Match- I like Troy on the outside a little bit more. I like JMU on the inside a little bit more. So I'm just really excited to watch the contrast of playing two of the best defenses in the conference doing their thing in this one.
0: Hey, Caden, for me, the biggest disappointment of this matchup is the thought that we couldn't see this again a second time this year. It could have worked out if James Madison was eligible to play in that championship game. But let's look at the current line for this game. Troy, a two-point favorite at home, over-under, sitting at 48. Caden, I know you're itching to make this pick, so I'm going to let you go first here.
1: Yeah, I think Troy wins and covers in this one. Both defenses are obviously stout, like we've mentioned. And I think when it comes to offense and specifically quarterback play, I just trust the Sunbelt Championship MVP Gunner Watson more to be effective in this matchup. And we talked about it before. I think if anyone has a chance of running the ball well against this defense, it's going to be Kamani Vidal. I think he has the best odds out of any other rusher in the conference. So I'm taking that, but I'm also taking the under on the points. I think this is a low-scoring defensive battle.
0: Caden covering a two point spread. What do you how how close do you think this game's gonna be? Is this a touchdown?
1: I just know Troy's gonna win. In my eyes. So I think they're going to cover. But I think there's a universe where they maybe get to 10 points. I think Troy's offense does look a little bit more revamped. We got to see it in small, weird doses against differing types of defenses. But I do think they're going to have a little bit more pep in their step. And I think they're not maybe going to have to rely on their defense as much as we saw in the past and maybe as much as James Madison might have to this year, depending on the questions of quarterback. So maybe a 10 point game, I think, if Troy can really get some offensive momentum going.
0: Well, and I was fairly successful picking against you last week, so I'm going the opposite direction here. JMU to pull off the, in quotation marks, upset. Can you really call it that in this game? I think that JMU's defense has been better this year. I think they can take away Troy's biggest strength. Uh, the run game maybe just enough. I do as well have this being a close game. I am going to take the over in this contest, but give me JMU. Uh, to win a matchup that probably should have been the 2022 Sunbelt Championship game, if we're being honest. Let's move on to our second game in this preview, Caden. It's Georgia Southern at Wisconsin. This game will be at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on the Big Ten Network. The Eagles enter 1-2 and two versus current Big Ten members. They are coming off that historic Week 2 win at Nebraska last season. This is going to be the first ever meeting between Wisconsin and Georgia Southern. It'll come in Luke Fickle's first season at Wisconsin. This Wisconsin team, Caden, you may remember coming off of a upset loss to Washington State. They're one and two, or one and one rather to start the year. Caden, let's talk, start by talking about this Georgia Southern defense because honestly, this is their first real test. You had the shutout versus the Citadel. You give up 35 points to UAB. Sideline's Georgia Southern, who's an account that follows us. They retweet our account uh, pretty frequently. They made some great points, and they said that the one thing that we've seen from Georgia Southern's defense, they're more opportunistic this year. Four turnovers in the first two games. They've had a couple more overturned on review, a couple of missed interceptions. But, Caden, they're tackling better. They're bringing more pressure up front. It's not going to be easy versus Wisconsin, but how are you feeling about this defense against the Badgers?
1: Yeah, definitely shouts out to that account, and I think they brought up a great point as far as this defense being a little bit more opportunistic. You talk about it, and you can be more opportunistic if you're better on first and second down, which early on in the season, this team has shown they can be better in that department, which sets them up on third down to be able to take some more risk, apply some pressure, maybe create some turnovers. But you talked about it. This game is going to be all about the box. If you want to say this isn't the first real test for Georgia Southern. It's definitely the first different test they've had as far as really having to stop the run. Wisconsin wants to pound the rock. They've been doing it for 100 years, and that's not changing with Luke Fickle at the helm. This defense hasn't faced an opponent quite lightless. They have a running back duo of big proven backs and Braylon Allen and and Chez Malusi that are monsters. They both have a resume that's full of 100-yard rushing days in the Big Ten. They both did it in week one against Brandon Bailey's former team in Buffalo in that matchup to start off the season, they'll look to do it in this game as well. I think they need to slow these two down. I think it's going to be the biggest key, maybe of the entire game, definitely of the defense, but maybe the entire game. It's going to be imperative to do so early, which I'll talk about later, which has more to do with the offense. But I think. The issue with that is if they have to load the box up to stop these two, it's going to leave those defensive backs on more of an island. And then when you get into any of these matchups against Power 5 opponents, they all have receivers that can make plays. They all have the size, speed, and skill out there. And that's really going to test these defensive backs. So I think the biggest key for this one and the biggest test that they're going to have to answer to is stopping those two running backs because I think that's where the game's going to be won and and lost in this matchup.
0: Caden, you know, talking offensive side of the football, I think for me I'm questioning if Georgia Southern has another gear that they can go to. They've scored 10 touchdowns in their first two games this year. The five rushing touchdowns, I've got to note on my notes that that's a little scary. Five passing touchdowns as well. They've been very efficient on offense. Top six nationally and third down conversion rate. Five of six receivers, or they really have five or six receivers that can hurt you. You're also getting big tight end Keaton Upshaw back, who you know we've seen Bryn maybe utilize those tight ends a little bit more this year. Can they keep pressure on Wisconsin similar to what we saw Washington State do last weekend?
1: I think they can. You nailed it right on the head, Noah. I think Washington State gave this team the blueprint and the formula to beat this Wisconsin team, and thankfully for Georgia Southern, a place to a lot of their strengths other than the run stopping. Washington State, and I'll bring it to the defense a little bit, like I touched on before, they stopped this team early running the ball, and then as a result, their offense on the other hand, just played great complimentary ball and was able to be explosive and have their passing attack light up this uh, this defense rather, and had Wisconsin play to their game. I think when you look at their upset last week, Cam Ward led that explosive passing attack for Washington. I think that Davis Bryn has similar capabilities and can do the same exact thing. They put 10 points on the board or... or two scores, rather, touchdowns on the board very early. He found 10 different targets, which we know Davis Brink can spread the love around, and I think that gives this team probably some confidence going into this matchup watching the film of an offense that did very similar things to this defense they're about to face. They did their damage early. They had 24 points in the first half, and they first forced Washington to kind of abandon their run game and have to throw the ball, which was not an area they're super effective in. Tanner Mordecai threw 40 pass attempts last game for Wisconsin. They do not want to do that. Anytime they did that last year, they lost so I think if the combination of this offense getting their passing attack, starting off on the right foot, plus their defense getting some stops early can make Wisconsin play out of their style of play, have to play into their game. And I think Davis-Brin, this offense, could extend their lead and get it to where Wisconsin's maybe playing catch-up. I think if this team can get a lead early, it's going to be huge and maybe force the Badgers to play out of their ways and they can control this game.
0: Wisconsin, a 19-point favorite heading into this game over under at 63. Caden, I'll go first here. I do have Georgia Southern covering the 19 in this game, but I do still have Wisconsin winning this game. couple of questions for me in this matchup. Can that Georgia Southern offensive line that you were talking about earlier on in this episode withstand the pressure? I do think they can against Wisconsin, but for me, Wisconsin just gets by in a high-scoring game. I'm going to take the over in this one. When you look at both teams' matchups this year, Georgia Southern has gone over in their only matchup with a line. Wisconsin 1-1, one and one. they failed to go over in their matchup last weekend uh, against Washington State.
1: Yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down, Noah. I think Georgia Southern definitely covers in this one. I'm very confident in this and will likely put real money on this matchup, but I can't just imagine this Luke Fickle team suffering back-to-back losses. He's a great coach with always stout defenses and offenses. I just don't think are going to have back-to-back upset performances against them and my biggest fear is going to be that run game I think Wisconsin's going to run the ball in this one really test this defense in a way they haven't been tested with two elite running backs I think that's going to be the difference I'm taking the over on points as well I think this is a shootout and one where Wisconsin's going to need 30 points to win it to keep up with the passing attack but I think they do so with their rushing attack so I'm taking the over on points per usual with the Eagles
0: well, okay, let's move on to our third matchup of the weekend. And for Southern Miss fans wondering why we haven't talked about Southern Miss Tulane yet, it's coming up next. Just wanted to give you that heads up. But App State ECU, Caden, it's at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Plus. Caden, this is the one-year anniversary of College Game Day's visit to App State, that game-winning Hail Mary against Troy. Expecting another massive crowd in Boone. Great stat today from the App State football account. 14 straight home games since 2020 have had more than 28,000 fans. I think Georgia State would love to have just one of those at this point. Um, they are 8-3 and three all-time versus ECU in Boone, but this is the first matchup since 1979. Caden App won it by 14 in Charlotte in 2021 to open the season. I went back to see if you played in that game, and it was another game you didn't play, but... Uh, Caden, we touched on it on Monday in our recap last year app entered week three, one and one coming off the big upset this year, they enter week three, one and one as well, but coming off a close loss. You've been talking to people around this program. Where is this team's mentality heading into week three?
1: Half the shout out. First of all, just me and Georgia state catching strays right there, but we'll both, we'll both eat those. But no, I think that I'm just most curious about the headspace of this team We know early in the season last year, that was a big part and there was a lot going on as far as I think just the early buzz of this team last year got the best of them, and it kind of resulted in the season they had. So my question for App State in this one is how are they going to respond after coming off of the loss to UNC where they had a strong showing, but last year we saw them rise to the occasion, have a great game against Texas A&M, and then follow that with barely beating Troy on that Hail Mary. So I just think the up-and-down nature and some of the excitement that followed this team early in the season, curious to see if they're kind of nipping that in the bud at App State, if they're staying focused, if they maybe have some new confidence just in the way they played against North Carolina. We know they have a big injury to Brendan Harrington as well. I think this team still has a lot of questions to answer, and I'm hoping that just internally that they're taking it seriously and they're taking it with a grain of salt as well, just knowing how last season they might have been on their high horse. They might have had highs and lows, but just being consistent, kind of being steady, being neutral, I think is going to be best for this team as they head into conference play. So I'm just really curious to see mentally how this team approaches this game start to finish.
0: Yeah, Kane. I feel like this could give them a big step up mentally if they can win this contest ahead of uh, you know, Wyoming and then ultimately conference play. Looking at this game, it feels like the matchup outside is critical, Cato. Joey Aguilar has had about as good of a start as you could have asked for. Uh, five different wide receivers in the tight end have a touchdown catch this year. ECU lost some key pieces at defensive back this offseason. So far this year, giving up 270 yards per game through the air to start the year. How can Joey Aguilar exploit this ECU secondary in this matchup?
1: The same way he's been doing it all year with his poise and confidence in his receivers. I think it's going to be a key matchup for this offense. is just how they can win their one-on-one matchups out wide and how Aguilar can deliver the ball. They need to protect him like they did last week. And I think that offensive line definitely got a lot of confidence after watching that North Carolina front generate a ton of sacks the week before against an sec team and then stifled them in the game so i think that's going to be big as well just keeping ocular clean back there let him allow him to play a clean game of football and distribute the ball like he has been so far it took marshall a trick play in the fourth quarter last week to get their offense going against this defense so i'm just hoping that app state doesn't fall into the same trap of maybe being too loyal to the run game before this ecu defensive front is pretty strong, and they showed some good things last week against Marshall, and I think if you kind of play into their game and run yourself out of the game, that's how it stays close, and then maybe you have to rise to the occasion in the second half. But I think if this offense takes their shots early, if they're explosive, if Aguilar has that same level of trust in his multitude of weapons at wideout, I think they can control the pace of this game and maybe not let ECU control the pace with their strength in the box.
0: Okay, in the ECU, they've scored just 16 points this season, and I feel like it's easy to be lulled to sleep by some paltry offensive numbers No Keaton Mitchell, no Holt Naylor. Should this App State defense be worried this weekend?
1: They shouldn't be, but I think it comes down to discipline. This ECU offense, like you mentioned, hasn't been really effective at scoring the football this year. They had just the field goal against Michigan, and they had 13 points against Marshall. But what do those two defenses have in common other than just being great defenses? It's the discipline. They don't make mental mistakes. They don't miss tackles. They don't bust coverages. They don't fit the gaps wrong. And I think when you have that level of tie, speed, athleticism, and talent, that's how you become a good defense to a great defense. But I think when you pair it, that's when you keep teams out of the end zone. That's when you have three-point games one touchdown scored against you. And that's what I think App State needs to do in this game. If they can be disruptive up front like they were a little bit last week, and disciplined in the back end and not give up any big plays, not give up any big runs. I think they'll be just fine in this when we lost Brendan Harrington, like you mentioned, on that linebacking core, which is a huge loss. So maybe some younger players and some inexperienced players who have been getting their feet wet early in the season can maybe fully get submerged in this game and play well. I think it's all going to come down to the discipline. I think Coach Sloan's going to have a game plan ready for this unit. It's going to be about can they execute and not beat themselves because I don't think this offense so far has really proven they can necessarily beat a team that plays discipline and a good brand of football on the defensive side of the ball
0: well app is a nine and a half point favorite in this game over under at 50 I'll go first Caden I like app to win this game and cover I think there's a real chance they win this game by two touchdowns just not sold right now on ECU's offense and they have exploitable holes on defense I am going to take the under maybe ever so slightly on Saturday in this game so Caden, I'm going to go ahead and let you make your pick are you picking against the Mountaineers for the second week in a row (laughs)
1: <laughs> Absolutely not. And yet again, I'm aligning with you. I think App State wins this one win at home and covers. I expect the offense to move with maybe a li- different level of swag and confidence, especially if they're throwing the ball early after their impressive showing last week. And I think the defense, like we mentioned, I don't think anything on ECU's offensive side of the ball particularly scares me. and Mitchell's not running out of that tunnel anytime soon, but I'm taking the under on points too. I think App's going to hold up their end of the bargain, but I'm not sure if ECU can do it on theirs.
0: Well, Caden, as we get set to talk about Southern Miss Tulane, we've been making fun of you in this episode. Everyone's laughing at me after taking Southern Miss to cover the spread against Florida State last week. (laughs) Southern Miss taking on Tulane at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central on ESPNU. The battle for the bell began in 1999. Southern Miss 24 and 9 all time against Tulane dating back to 1979. Southern Miss won in New Orleans 27-24 a season ago and handed Tulane one of just two losses a season ago in a year that they went on to win the Cotton Bowl. Kaden, it's fair to say that this is the biggest opportunity for us to learn about this Southern Miss team. You easily beat Alcorn State in Week 1. FSU really wasn't a fair fight in Week 2. This has always been a game circled on the calendar for Southern Miss. Kaden, what are you hoping to learn about this team this weekend?
1: Who they are, like you mentioned, this team has just given us both definitely extremes of the barometers trying to get a pulse to who they are. You talk about the dominant win against Alcor State and then getting absolutely dominated by a Florida State team who's one of the best in the country that probably would have done that against most teams in the conference. But this game is somewhere in between. It's a little bit closer to Florida State, I think, given Tulane's prowess. But I think this opponent is going to really get us... And show us what this new quarterback looks like. If this nasty bunch of defense has that same edge they had before. So I think just in this matchup, I'm excited to learn about what this team really is. And I think you're going to learn a lot about them as well, just given the stakes of the rivalry, what happened last year. I think this is going to be the biggest, not only test for this team as far as a realistic opponent, but a test mentally for this team. What kind of edge do they have? Are we going to see shades of a championship contender possibly? Are we going to see shades of a team that just made a bowl game last year? Barely. I think we're going to really find out the identity of this team in this game of how they come out how they start and how they finish.
0: Okay, and you touched about it. I I think quarterback play is a big aspect of this game. This is a huge game for Billy Wiles. 51% completion rate on the season to this point, 421 yards and three touchdowns, although just 154 yards and didn't throw a touchdown against number 4 FSU last weekend. Meanwhile for Tulane, Michael Pratt, uh he looks like Superman versus South Alabama, but Got injured late in that game, missed the matchup against Ole Miss last weekend. Kaden Tulane had to go with redshirt sophomore Kai Horton, who threw for 231 yards and a touchdown in that loss to Ole Miss last week. What do you make of this quarterback matchup? Do you think Pratt's playing versus Southern Miss?
1: I think Pratt will play in this game. I think he was a late scratch to the game the week before. He just wasn't capable with a hand injury. And I think if he can play, he will play. I heard Woody Fritz talk about if he's any kind of limited, they're not going to do it with his hand. But I think the kind of guy he is and the kind of player he is, he will play. But I think he's definitely the biggest X factor, I think, when you're trying to get a pulse on this game and figure out how it's going to go. We mentioned it. he lit up this South Alabama defense who we know, like the nasty bunch, we highly regard. He had one incompletion in of that game, had four touchdowns. But then he had a very pedestrian form performance against this defense last year in the upset loss. Only one touchdown, one interception, got sacked four times. So we've seen a mixed bag, I think, from this guy as far as recently and against this team. So if he does play, I'm definitely really excited. But don't get it twisted. Kai Horton is not as bad as advertised as he played against Ole Miss. He got sacked a bunch. He found his wideouts on some big plays at times. But I think he was just overwhelmed by an athletic big group at Ole Miss and I think he had a three touchdown performance and a win against Houston last year in Pratt's absence he's a big 6-4 kid that has some weapons that we saw on display in that South Alabama game but I think that Southern Miss defense I think is a lot less worried if he's playing versus a Michael Pratt and then on the other side they're probably a little bit worried about Billy Wiles too he obviously looked great in the game against Alcorn State not so great against one of the best defenses in the nation this is where he has his first true test And everyone in Southern Miss kind of has their breath held if he can pass this test. We saw at times what this defense did against Carter Bradley, who we also regard regard very highly. Can he be a little bit more protected in this game. I think Carter was under some heat, and you could argue that Southern Miss offensive line could do a better job of protecting Billy in this game. I think he has the weapons there. We talk about Kasten and Mims and how high we are on those guys, despite losing Brownlee. I think it's going to really be on Billy Wilds in this one. We expect the run game, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit, to be there for him. We expect him to be protected, and we expect he has that rhythm and chemistry with his receivers. I think a lot of this game is in his hands. This is his first test. It's a lot of pressure for someone just joining this program that's been saying they're a quarterback away for a while, so I'm just excited to watch him perform in this one, and I think him going head-to-head with Michael Pratt versus their backup quarterback is definitely going to play an impact, I think, as far as what they'll need out of him in this performance.
0: now I'm a bit older than you, but you probably remember those Where's Waldo books uh, from our childhood, and that's kind of been the story uh, for Southern Miss. The question I want answered is, where is Frank Gore Jr.? Just 17 rushes for 65 yards so far this season, has just one touchdown Will Hall said that they would use him a lot more starting this week. What do you make of both his lack of carries and limited production so far this season? And do you feel like Southern Miss needs to start featuring him more this week?
1: They definitely will need to feature him more this week. I'll definitely start with that. I think the only one of the few things that can help Billy Wilds a ton in this game that he won't be on his own is the run game. I think if the run game is there with Frank Gore Jr., that'll take a lot off of his plate and he'll really be able to just sit back operate dial in and really find his targets and be efficient move the chains for this offense which would be a lot easier if frank gore's Gore's getting those four or five yards on those early touches on early downs but i think the reason we haven't seen him is just because of the nature of their first two games you talked about it both of those games Got out of hand fast in very opposite directions. Obviously, Alcorn State, this team, got an early lead on. Didn't really need to play Frank Gore Jr. Once they got that early lead, they probably decided to rest him as they headed into a big physical matchup with Florida State. And then on the flip side, he goes out there against Florida State, kind of gets stonewalled by their defense And then by the time that game's out of hand, it's like, okay, do we want to put our star running back in a position now where he's getting carries and we're down by 30 points just to continue to beat up on his body when we know we have a big rivalry game the next week? So I think that's why he hasn't got some action in this one. He ranks second on the team, both in carries and yards behind Rodriguez Clark at this point. I think that changes this week. I think they need him this week more than ever. And I think this is going to be one of those games that doesn't start off lopsided in any way and have every reason to play him than not. So I expect him to be fully unleashed in this one and be maybe just as big of an X factor as Michael Proud on the other side.
0: Hey, we shall certainly see. We know that Frank Gore Jr. loves to show up on nationally televised games. As I mentioned, this game will be on ESPNU. Caden Tulane, 13-point favorite over under sitting at 51. I'm going to go ahead and go first here. Um, You know, it's a bit long-winded, but Southern Miss, Caden, here's some info about this series. They've won seven of the last nine. You may remember them coming back from 14-0 down in the second quarter last year. I feel like Michael Pratt's status looms large over this game. Having said all of that, Caden, I've got Southern Miss covering in this game at home, but I do have Tulane being just too much. I think there's questions on both offenses, particularly if Pratt doesn't play. So I'm going to go the under on the point total, but I do reserve the right to change my mind if Pratt plays in this contest.
1: Well, I'm not going to change my mind, and I'm going to assume Michael Pratt's playing in this one. Will Hall is someone he knows very well, and he said it best. He said if Michael Pratt can play, he will play, and I expect him to play in this one. And if I am expecting him to play in this one, I'm expecting Tulane to not only win this game, but cover. I have a lot of faith in Southern Miss this year. I think they'll be a better team. But what I saw from Tulane, both stepping toe-to-toe against Ole Miss, and not having Michael Pratt, and still playing fairly well, and what they did against the South Alabama team, who I think is going to be in the championship representing the West, it's very scary. We talked about it. I regard this nasty bunch of defense very highly. I also regard South Alabama's defense highly, and they got shredded. I regard Carter Bradley highly. I don't regard Billy Wiles as highly. This is going to be his first true test. We mentioned in the offseason, he's a walk-on from Clemson. He played well against Alcorn State, and he played just as well as I would against Florida State. So this is going to be the game where we truly find out. And if he has to go head-to-head with Michael Pratt, I just can't buy it this early in the season. So I think Tulane wins and covers. But I do think both offenses are going to be able to operate well enough to hit the over in this one, whether that's Frank Jr., Gore Jr. operating, or Wiles finding some of those targets. So I'm going to take the over on points, but Tulane winning and covering.
0: Well, certainly it'll be a great matchup to watch in that afternoon slot on ESPN. Caden, moving on to a game that we will have our eyes peeled on in the evening slot. South Alabama at Oklahoma State. This game will be at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central on Big 12 now on ESPN+. Caden, this is the third meeting between these two programs since 2017. Oklahoma State played and won in Mobile in 2017. The two teams then played again in Stillwater in 2018. Oklahoma State winning that one as well. Bradley enters this game as South Alabama's winning as quarterback after picking up his 11th start, um, you know, 11th win as the starter in last game. Caden, South Alabama has not looked like the championship contender that we thought that they would look like. We've been getting some flack on Twitter about our power rankings, keeping them ahead of particularly Marshall and Georgia Southern. Um, they really haven't played great over their last five games dating back to last November. They had one score wins over Southern Miss and Old Dominion, that bad loss to Western Kentucky in the bowl, and then another tough loss to Tulane to start the year. Plus, they struggled a little bit in the first half against Southeastern Louisiana last week. Kane, this is a veteran group. Are they a true championship contender this year?
1: I'm still gonna say yes, but I'm saying it as little as with as le- least amount of confidence as I've ever said it. If if the number one confidence in it was when I was making my bold take last season of them winning the West, I'm cut that in half right now just from what this team's looking like. I really just can't put my finger on the South Alabama team right now. You mentioned the last five games; this team's three and two. Last week they beat Southeast. Louisiana, after being tied at halftime and playing with them for the entire first half, almost had an identical score to how Tulane beat them the week before. And then you mentioned the ugly New Orleans Bowl win over loss over Western Kentucky. That was well-documented. And then back-to-back 27 to 20 wins over Old Dominion and Southern Miss to close out the regular season. I think this team lately hasn't looked like themselves. They've recently looked like a championship team at times, but also looked like a bad football team at times. I'm a little nervous and don't think we really know what to expect from this team. So I think this weekend will be a huge barometer as far as energy, how they come and how they bring it in this game. And I'm very curious to see how they perform. I don't think we'll truly know who this team is until conference play, but I think right now they're having a little bit of identity crisis and I think there's a little bit of worry and strife down in Alabama. I know there sure is for me as far as them being my pick in the West.
0: Well, Caden, let's talk offense because I feel like that's been one of the issues early on in the year and that's been a surprise The one thing I can say, South Alabama battling multiple injuries. McReynolds is out for a while, perhaps the season after breaking his collarbone in week one. Devin Boyson's going to miss this week. We've heard uh, you still have Carter Bradley and LaDamian Webb. Colin Lacey starting to step up or really stepping up in a big way. Who needs to step up and fill some of those voids that guys like McReynolds and Boyson are leaving in this offense this week?
1: I think it's going to be a combination of some familiar faces we're used to and maybe some new guys. You mentioned the injury injury concerns. Braylon McReynolds is a guy you know I'm super high on heading into this season. He broke his collarbone. I've done that before. I highly do not recommend it. I know mean, voices anywhere from questionable to doubtful to play in this game, so we don't know what to expect. And then even on the defensive side of the ball, Jalen Jordan missed last game and Keith Gallman got hurt in the last game. So I think some important players, some names that you remember seeing on all conference lists or hearing on this podcast – are on this team. And I also read that Ladamian Webb is supposed to be working his way back into things this season. That kind of makes sense when you look at his carries because he had an off-season surgery, which makes the McReynolds loss even huger. I think when you look at the running back position, that's where they're going to need the most help this week. They're going to have to rely on Ole Miss transfer Kentrell Bullock to step up, Marco Lee, PJ Martin. Those guys are going to have to step up big, especially if a guy like Um Damian Webb is still trying to work himself back into that shape coming off of a surgery. And I think at the wide receiver spot, I'm a little bit less worried with the loss of Devin Loison because they do have some more weapons that we're accustomed to seeing. We've seen Colin Lacey specifically step up last game and play big. I think he can do that again this week, but I'm very curious to see Javon Ivory in this one. He's expected to start in voice place. I believe he has no stats this year. So I think this is going to be a breakout game for him and one where he's asked, and called upon more than he has been so we're going to get to see finally see what the memphis transfer has in him and i think jamal pritchett's also been a very pleasant surprise for this team as well this year i think he's played some great ball he's flashed some great speed and athleticism so i think that's going to turn into the trio we see doing the most work in this game and i'm really excited to see if carter bradley can potentially elevate this group and maybe with some undermanned guys missing a couple guys in the running back room missing a couple guys in the wide receiver room can he elevate and play a clean game of football and really keep this game in it he's had one. Or or interceptions in the last five games like we've mentioned in this five game stretch we're talking about so maybe this is a game where he elevates his guys as well they help him out and they can be an efficient offense.
0: Kane, defensively the South Alabama defense will not be going up against the Oklahoma State offenses that we've been used to seeing they're still deciding between three quarterbacks at this point they're averaging just 27 points per game against teams like Arizona State and Central Arkansas to begin the year Caden, South Alabama dodged a bullet with Yam Banks. He came back and had an interception versus Southeast Louisiana. Uh, This defense had seven TFLs, a pair of sacks, a couple of turnovers forced last weekend. Where should South Alabama be concerned defensively in this matchup?
1: It's definitely out wide. I think when you look and you mentioned the quarterback, carousel they have going on and just their offense not looking the way it usually does. They can still rely on their outside targets and weapons that they have out there to make plays for them. And that's kind of what they've been banking on this season as far as their production. But I think, like you mentioned, this Oklahoma State team is normally stout. They always have a winning record. But this season, they just haven't showed anything impressive really on either side of the ball and playing two similar games against an Arizona State team that is not good, and an FCS opponent in Central Arkansas. So they lost some key players. Quarterback Spencer Sanders was huge. They lost their leading rusher, so I'm not really worried about those positions. That's where kind of the skill and the talent out wide is what worries me, but thankfully for South Alabama, that's where some of their strength is. We'll see if Jalen Jordan and Gallman are healthy in this one, but with Yam Banks and some of those other pieces that they have voicing on the back, and I think that's where the game's going to be won and loss. It's going to be overall to me about can – this offense play a clean brand of football, have their reserve players or some of their backups really step up at some key spots, and can their defense just get back to that level we've seen them play? We've seen some lulls at time this season. I don't think they've been as confident or as strong as we've seen them in the past, but can they lean on that strong secondary like we've seen in the past to get them a win in this game?
0: Okay, now Oklahoma State favored in this game by seven over under at 47.5. You were on the Jags last year, so go ahead and pick first.
1: I'm taking South Alabama to win and cover this game. I think internally this is a must-win game for this team. I think they've only played about a quarter and a half of football that they're proud of this season, and it's really not going the way they want it. I think they're undermanned right now, and I think they'll have to respond in a major way to prove that they're the championship-caliber team that they are and get a big win over a Big 12 opponent that's kind of middle in the pack that hasn't impressed me. So I'm taking the over, the under on the points in this one. Actually, I think USA's defense has a strong performance, and hopefully their offensive players get a good sp- speech before the game get revved up and kind of realize hey we're still that team that has championship aspirations we're coming off the best record we've had in this t- program's history let's step up to the plate in this game let's prove it let's play four gate four quarters of clean football and rely on our defense as well to do some damage so i think they're going to win this one cover but i'm taking the under on the points
0: okay south alabama's not look good to begin this year but i think if you had to ask that fan base at the beginning of the year if they went two and one in the first three weeks of the year would you be happy and i think the answer would be yes. I'm doubling down here. I'm saying this is a breakout game for South Alabama. We were high on them in the preseason. That has not changed. I have them securing the seventh Power 5 win for the Sun Belt in the last two years. Over-under does seem a bit low in this matchup, so give me the over in this matchup going over that 47.5. So we both have South Alabama winning there. Caden, okay, let's move on. We've got a couple of more picks to make before we wrap up this episode. ODU versus Wake Forest at noon Eastern. Um, Wake a 14-point favorite in this game, over-under at 61. I'll go first here quickly. I liked what I've seen from ODU's offense so far, but I think Wake has too much talent in this game. Give me Wake to cover the spread. I do like the over in this game because I feel like both teams could put up some points in this matchup.
1: Yeah, I think Wake wins and covers in this one well, as well. I love what I saw from Old Dominion's offense last week especially, so I'll take the over on points too. But this Wake team has a nice balanced attack on offense. They are not slouches, and they won by over 14 points against a Vanderbilt team last week. That is not nearly as bad as advertised in the past. So I think Wake wins this one outright.
0: ULM at Texas A&M. This one will be at 4 p.m. Eastern. Caden, Texas A&M heavy favorite at 36 and half. over under at 53. Caden, go ahead and take the pick here first.
1: I'm taking the Aggies to win and cover. I really deep down inside think that the Warhawks can't cover, but after the Arkansas State experience, and we'll see how the Florida State experience treated you as well, going up against some of these top SEC opponents and these big-time opponents versus some of these lower-level Sunbelt teams, but... Texas A&M has been very disappointing as of late, but they still scored 30-plus against Miami, and they have one of the most talented rosters across all of college football that I think is just going to be a little bit too overwhelming. I'm also taking the under on points in this game. I just don't know if ULM is going to be able to hold up their end of the bargain.
0: Okay, and all I'm saying, stranger things have happened. Uh, We saw ULM take down Alabama years ago, but um, we saw a Sunbelt team beat A&M last year. Bobby Petrino's running the offense this year. Give me Texas A&M to cover in this game. I'm taking the under because I'm just questioning if ULM is going to be able to score much in this contest. Georgia State at Charlotte at 6 p.m. Eastern. Georgia State a a 7.5-point favorite. Caden over under at 54. I'll go ahead and go first here. Last year, we got treated to a shootout in this game. I felt like Georgia State answered some questions for me last weekend against UConn. If you may remember, both of us picked against Georgia State in that matchup. I am taking Georgia State to win this game and move to 2-1 and one on the season. So far this year, Georgia State 38.5 points per game, Charlotte at 22. If both of these teams play to their averages, Caden, I think we're hitting the over in this matchup easily.
1: Yeah, you mentioned it. These teams had an iconic shootout last year, but I'm flipping the script. I'm going the opposite. I think it's a low scoring game with tons of Marcus Carroll and Georgia State wins and covers this time. Their defense showed improvement last week against a well coached UConn team that had Jim Moore at the helm. So I hope more so than I believe that they'll show up for this one. But like I said, flipping the script this year, low scoring, Georgia State wins, they cover and I'm taking the under on the points.
0: Last game, we have to make a pick on Caden, Louisiana at UAB at 7 p.m. Eastern. UAB a two-point favorite over-under at 59.5. How are you leaning in this matchup?
1: Yeah, Old Dominion's aerial attack gave UL some problems last week, and I think UAB's does the same. I'm actually going to flip the script on my pick last minute here. I was going to take UAB to win this one, but I just think when you look at the continuity that UL has in this game, I'm going to take Louisiana to win and cover. It's tough with them being on the road, and they got exposed last week in the air, but I think they're going to quickly be able to right some of those wrongs, and I think... Both teams should be able to score a lot in this game, but 30 points each is a lot. So I'm going to take the under, hoping that UL has a better defensive performance and maybe comes more prepared to stop their secondary. And if Wooldridge plays the same way he did last week in the run games there, I think they'll be just fine.
0: Kane, okay, UL lost in a shootout last week to Old Dominion, and I'm afraid because of their defense it's going to be the same story here. I've got UAB's offense you know, playing well in this game, similarly to what we saw them do against Georgia Southern. I don't think either defense makes many stops. So I'm going to take the over on the points. I've got UAB winning this game. couple more matchups. Arkansas State versus Stony Brook at 7 p.m. Eastern. You've got Coastal Carolina versus Duquesne at 7 p.m. Eastern as well. And then Texas State versus Jackson State at 8.30 p.m. Eastern to round out the slate in week three in the Sun Belt. Well, that will do it for our week three preview. Caden and I can't wait to kick back and enjoy another great weekend of Sunbelt football. Before you go, here's a quick reminder that we'll be back on Monday. We'll be releasing our week three weekend recap. We'll take a look back at all the big games from Saturday and tell you all the need-to-know storylines from around the Sunbelt Conference. That'll do it for us here at the Frary & Smith Podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please go leave us a five-star rating on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, or wherever you're listening to this episode. Give us five stars. Let us know what we can be doing better or what you're enjoying about the show right now. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.